I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and what a day. Football is back in full swing. You absolutely love to see it. And of course, we are recording during Sunday Night Football, which means we have 12 fantastic football games to cover. Because of course, you need to know everything that happened to make the best decisions for your fantasy team. There's just so much information to take in. There's so many different things happening. There's so many different league formats. And so we really had to call in the big guns on this. So joining me today, my co-host, it's the one, the only, it's at the real NWB E. Wallace Bruce. Nee, my friend, if you could use one word to describe how you feel following those 12 games, what would it be? Relieved. <laughs> Football is back. That, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good word. I like relieved. I absolutely yeah. love to see it. I'm so happy football is back. Anyways, Nee is going to be here every week to help us break down, primarily from a redraft perspective and an IDP's perspective. So you had to get our IDP stud in here as well. So he's going to be covering all of that, but he's also a redraft expert. It's, he's just good at everything. You love to see it from Nee. Anyways, thank you for all of that, Nee. And it's not just Nee who's going to be joining me every Sunday throughout the season. You know him, you love him. Please welcome our other co-host. It's Dr. Dynasty, John Chansey. John, what was your first football Sunday food like? What'd you eat today? What up, Jack? What up, Nee? So glad to be here. Um, I had a wonderful eating experience this weekend. It just so happens that the weekends in general are kind of my cheat days when it comes to eating. But since it was the first week of football, I tried to coincide my eating and make sure to pay homage uh, to the return uh, of the NFL. So this morning, you know, I cooked up a nice breakfast. I wanted to make sure that I could curry some goodwill and good favor with my fiance because I was going to be in front of the TV all day. Um, and then afterwards, I went over to my mom's uh, before the Sunday night game and I got to destroy some Chinese food. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped. The, the year is back. This world is kind of a fragile and cruel place, but I'm so glad we've got football and I'm glad to be here with you guys. Thank you so much, John. And once again, it is an absolute pleasure to have you. John, like me, is an absolutely brilliant football mind. He's going to help us from a redraft perspective, but he is also our dynasty expert because he is Dr. Dynasty, of course. So don't forget, you can find all the work that these two gentlemen, as well as myself, produce weekly over at importnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. So John, me, and myself will be coming to you every Monday morning to break down the weekend slate, give you instant reactions, and sift through all the minutia to know what actually matters. And as you all know, my contract says that I am in charge. This is my show, which means I get to pick the first game. So as the resident Ravens fan, I'm starting off with the big Ravens win over the Cleveland Browns. So Lamar Jackson, amazing. We already knew that. Rating MVP picked up right where he left off. 20 to 25, 275 yards, three scores. 45 yards on the ground, seven carries. Unfortunately, you can't say the same thing for Baker Mayfield. He completed 52.6% on his 38 attempts, 188 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. What do you think about that, John? I know you're a big Baker fan out of Oklahoma. 
Oh, I love Baker Mayfield. All you know, going back to his Heisman days at you know University of Oklahoma. But this is a really bad start. The turnovers are a continuation from 2019. Um, and I think you know it's only one game, so I don't want to overreact. But we really have to start wondering, uh, you know, how much of that first season that Baker had in the NFL was a fluke, and how much, you know, the previous season, 2019, and now 2020. Is this the real Baker Mayfield? Because this is not a this is not a good start at all. Ooh, wow! Is this the real Baker Mayfield? I don't know, Nee. What do you think? I think we're going to give Baker a mulligan. It it is the Ravens' defense, and they were mean today. So let's give it another week or two and see what happens with Baker Mayfield. They're mean every day, Nee. They're mean every day. You know this. You called them the new Legion of Boom. Is that what I remember you calling them? That is correct. And um. They showed that today. They did not miss with the Browns. They really did not miss. It was actually pretty disturbing to watch if you were a Browns fan. What was also disturbing, Kareem Hunt led the team in carries. So he had 13 for 72. Nick Chubb put up 60 yards on 10. So he had less yards. Hunt also had four receptions on nine. Or, sorry, he had four receptions for nine yards. Chubb had just one for six. So Chubb was getting less work in the rushing game and in the passing game. And that is concerning. Is anyone else as scared as I am? I definitely am. I took, uh, I paid a lot of money for Chubb in our in our uh, important nonsense dynasty league, and that's starting to feel a little bit concerning. For how much Hunt, not only uh, Kareem Hunt splitting the carry so much, but he also was getting a lot of the goal line work, which is concerning. Um, just starting to feel like the the role that Nick Chubb has for the Browns is kind of getting smaller and smaller. So I, I am pretty concerned already in week one. Yeah, it was really not not something I enjoyed as a big Nick Chubb fan. Personally, he might be my favorite running back in the NFL. But things are just as unclear when we go to the Ravens as well. So Mark Ingram turned 10 carries into 29 yards. Not a fun day. Dobbins had seven carries, so three less, 22 yards. Two scores, though. So J.K. Dobbins is already getting the goal line work. Have we already seen J.K. Dobbins supplant Mark Ingram in Baltimore? John, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think him getting the the goal line touches and getting his, you know, those two converting two touchdowns uh, is huge. I think we'll only see him kind of, you know, take a bite out of that the role share as the season goes on. So I think this is just the start of things to come. I don't think that means Ingram is done in Baltimore, but I think we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see the passing of the baton perhaps sooner uh, rather than later. This is true. And speaking of passing the baton, Hollywood Brown balled out. Sorry, Nee, what were you going to say there? Uh, I just got to echo John's thoughts there. I think the the share of um, carries is going to move in favor of Dobbins as the season goes along. So if you're an owner of Ingram uh, in your league, I would be concerned and I'll be looking for other options if I could. Yeah, it's probably time to get out on Ingram while you can. It's probably ultimate low value. Maybe wait till he rebounds next week against a weak Texans run defense, but not exciting. But it was much more exciting seeing Hollywood as well as Mark Andrews. They tied for elite team lead with five receptions. Hollywood, 101 yards. Andrews, 58, two scores. John, can I get a boomer sooner? Boomer sooner. Hey, if Baker couldn't do it, those two got it done. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy there. Woo! That's right. We're going to move on to now to something that is not fun at all. The Jets versus the Bills. Poor Sam Darnold. Guy had 60% completion rate, 215 yards, a pick and a touchdown. Uglier than the box score looked. He probably probably should have thrown a couple more. It was not pretty. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a rough day, not only for Sam Darnold and that offense, but also it was just a brutal day for uh, Le'Veon Bell. I believe he had he had only eight touches total for 46 yards. Uh, you know, any potential for a touchdown was vultured away by Josh Adams. I want to say he had the same amount of carries even as Frank Gore. Um, so, I mean, if you're, if you're still holding on to the Le'Veon Bell stock, either in redraft or dynasty, uh, I would probably be in panic mode. Yeah, there's really just not a whole lot to say about anyone on the Jets, except for Jamison Crowder. He's the only relevant player on the team, but it's only because he had a 69-yard catch and run. It still wasn't nice. Bills couldn't make a tackle. Outside of that, 7.6 yards a catch on six receptions. It's going to be a long year for the Jets. Is there any hope on even the IDP side, me? Is there anyone that we can get excited about on the defensive side, at least? Yes. Yes, and they had a bright spot in the box score today. His name is Max May. You may remember him from a couple of weeks ago when we were last together. He was the new strong safety in place of Jamal Adams, and he, he got his tackles, he got his work in, he even got a sack. This is a guy who's going to be very busy with the way Jets defense is. If you're playing Dynasty IDP, also take a look at Blake Cashman, the linebacker. These are guys that are going to be busy, they're going to be working and getting tackles because of the way the offense is. Then exactly to your point, that defense is going to be on the field a lot because the offense just can't stay there. Opposite side of the field, Josh Allen Coaster was in full motion, 71.8% completion rate. That's pretty massive considering he's never been above 60% in his career for a season at least. Tossed two TDs, rushed for another, had two fumbles. It's just the classic Josh Allen Coaster. On any thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I thought Josh Allen looked really good, at least in the first half. The Bills' offense really looked like they were clicking. Uh, it, it really just ultimately kind of felt like they left some meat on the bone uh, in the second half. But I was I was impressed, at least to start with. Um, you know, goal, right now it, it appears that maybe Josh Allen might be the Bills' best goal line threat. Um, but any sort of positivity, I think we take from the grain we need to, or the game, we need to take it with a grain of salt because we're still talking about the Jets here, not exactly one of the best teams in the league. So. You know, good that good that Allen looked uh, the way he did, but um, you know, I just want to be careful about taking too much away from that. And to your point about him looking so good on the goal line, he just looked like their best runner in general. So Singletary averaged three point three yards a carry. Zach Moss one point two. Both had nine carries, so they split it right down the middle. Both looked ugly. Singletary had five receptions, twenty three yards. Moss three for sixteen. So another split. I don't know what to do. I think Moss is going to work his way into owning this job however i really don't know it's it, it is just ugly and finally the bills receivers looked like we expected Diggs had eight receptions brown had six and easily had four all three looked impressive john brown's the one who ended up scoring the touchdown on the day but moving on to the packers and vikings complete shootout packers were in control for most of the game but the yards were flowing the points were flowing and as our idp expert i'm sure me hates to see that but rogers was absolutely amazing 32 for 44 364 yards four scores so all the noise we made about the packers not having any receivers not adding one anyone didn't matter Devonte adams caught four passes 156 yards two scores we also had four passes four catches 96 yards from marquez valdez scantling and four receptions 63 yards and a score from alan lazar so is this the start of the aaron Rodgers revenge tour here john it feels like it. It really does. Um, and you love to see so many pass catchers getting involved. My Again, it's one of those games that, you know, love seeing a vintage Rodgers performance. But I, I do wonder, is this the old Aaron Rodgers? 
or is this really a sign of how bad the Vikings defense could be? I mean, they're they're they lost a lot of pieces in the off on the offseason. Um, and I just wonder if this is the result of, of those losses. So, I mean, the truth is probably somewhere in between, but it was really fun to see uh, that kind of performance out of Rodgers and the receiving core in general finally stepping up around around Devontae Adams. Surrounding out the Packers, we had Aaron Jones, 16 carries for 66 yards with an additional 10 yards on four receptions. So not the best day from him, but he got bailed out by a touchdown again. I'm sure Steve will be going on a rant on Twitter and will explain away why you should be fading Aaron Jones. On the other hand, Jamal Williams, seven carries for 21 yards, four receptions, 21 yards. A.J. Dillon, 14 yards on two carries. So it's Aaron Jones backfield, but really it's a committee ugly to see something that wasn't ugly was what adam thielen did absolute put absolutely put on a show two scores 110 yards on six reception no one else in the passing game mattered though it was just adam thielen so are we kind of i don't know what do you what do we think about the vikings right now are we kind of down on the vikings in general knee yeah i think we're going to temper our expectations with the the vikings because they're, they're usually a run-first team by design. So looking at BC Johnson and um, Jefferson, I would tip my expectations in redraft. I'd want to wait and see a proven game from those guys. Um, we know that Thielen's going to get the ball, but um, the, other, and the tight end's going to be involved as well. So I think it's a wait and see for the pass-catching game. Um, the, the, it's a run offense by design. It really is. And in the running game, Dalvin Cook doubled Alexander Madison in carries 12 to 6. But he ended up with one fewer yard. So if Madison had 50, Cook had 49. But the two rushing scores saved Cook's day. And at this point, I don't know, John, you have some thoughts on Alex- Alexander Madison as a resident dynasty guy. Is he just a handcuff now? No, I actually think within the the way the Vikings offense is set up that in you know maybe deeper leagues, especially in PPR leagues, you might have to consider – not only is Madison a good handcuff for Dalvin Cook, but I also think he has some value as a potential flex, or maybe um, depending on how deep your you know your league is and your running backs. I mean, he caught four passes for thirty yards. He also had fifty yards on the ground rushing. So I mean, not a bad day. I mean, obviously, you know, he's you're not going to get rich off of, of Madison, but I think if you're just in a deep enough league, I think there's some value there, especially if it's a PPR league. Yeah, that's the thing. So how does a Boise state running back dropped in the middle of minnesota go on to become a flex option i don't know it kind of seems like it's going to happen though especially in dynasty so keep an eye on that moving on to our next game though and this one is painful i'm i'm not going to enjoy myself here the vikings might not have looked good but at least they were putting up points in that loss eagles looked bad and killed us in fantasy they lost to the washington football team and it was embarrassing so wentz was okay Two TDs, 270 yards, but just 57.1% completion rate. I think we should be a little bit worried. I mean, I think, I don't know. It's concerning, although the injuries to the Eagles offensive line, um, I think is, at least if you if you want to keep your Carson Wentz stock, I think you can take some solace in knowing, okay, the offensive line isn't at full strength, but you know he's a guy who's already prone to injury and... The DC Rivera's just kicked the crap out of him today. So I don't know if I should just be concerned about Carson Wentz, if I should be hyped up about how good the DC Rivera's defense kind of looked in the second half. Or maybe the truth is, you know, again, somewhere in between, or I should be a little worried and maybe a little hyped about both. I don't know. That's that's where my thoughts are at this moment. 
Yeah, and it's tough, too, because they face the Rams next week, and Brandon Brooks is still out. He's going to miss the entire season. So Aaron Donald is going to have a day with those offensive guards. But back to the back to the defensive line in Washington. Me, nee, I just want to give you a shout-out because you, you were right. Chase Young already looks like the defensive rookie of the year. And he, it was phenomenal. Absolute baller. Anyways, the biggest story heading into the game, Miles Sanders sat out with a hamstring, bothered him all summer, and everyone rushed out to start Boston Scott me included, and so Scott rewarded us with nine carries, 35 yards, two receptions, 19 yards. It was ugly, and so was it from Corey Clement as well. Ineffective, 19 yards six on six carries, two yards on two receptions. Is it Boston Scott season? Is it Corey Clement season? Or is Miles Sanders going to take the job back when he comes back? Me. I'll tell you what, Jack, it's messy season in Philadelphia. It, and oh. all, all we need now is for Devonta Freeman or someone to show up in, in training this week for a tryout. Uh, it's, hey, it's not don't. great. No. No, you stop that. I, no. No. I don't, and I don't accept that. Anyways, Washington's backfield was hardly any better for us fantasy players because no one, and I mean no one, predicted 17 carries and two touchdowns from Peyton Barber. It's worse. It was, he had 29 yards, one point yard, seven yards a carry. It was terrible. So free Antonio Gibson, he had a quiet debut, nine carries, 36 yards, two receptions for eight yards. I'm upset. Yeah, I, I can't believe the, the ghost of Peyton Barber just keeps haunting us. Those two touchdowns, though, are, are just crazy. Um, but I actually think, and weirdly enough, though, this could maybe secretly be a good thing uh, for Antonio Gibson's sort of long-term value in Dynasty. I think... You know, there was all this sort of off-season uh, love for Antonio Gibson. His his value was going up. The stock was going up. But now maybe this barber performance might be somewhat of a smokescreen. And if you missed out on Gibson uh, while the stock is high, maybe it could bring it back down um, and you could get a chance to pick him up a little bit cheaper. Because I think even with this performance by Barber, I think Gibson will ultimately uh, win out at least and be the the, uh, the majority holder of the, the, the carries in their backfield. So... I don't know. It, 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 oddly enough, it could be it could end up being a good thing. Oh, so it's the old knee Wallace Bruce buy low strategy. If you remember, knee does not draft receivers. He waits until they bomb and then trades for them like Andy Isabella and gets them on the cheap. So maybe that's what we can get out of Antonio Gibson if he continues to bomb a little bit. Then we get to the Eagles pass catchers, though, and it was terrible. Same with the team as well. Honestly, Zach Ertz bailed you out with a touchdown if you started him, but he had just three receptions for 18 yards. Rager looked like a baller early, 55-yard catch, and didn't have another one for the rest of the game. Deshaun Jackson, two for 46. Scary Terry, five for 61. Only player that stood out was Dallas Goddard. And I got to know, knee as our resident, not only are you our IDP expert, you are our tight end expert as well. Who do you think has the better season after game one, Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz? I'm on the spot here, but I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. I, I feel like he's yes, got... right answer. <laughs> yes. No, he's he's got the upside, and I I feel like Ertz has got a bit going on with the contract situation, and I feel like Goddard's going to be phased in more as the season goes on. Any disagreement from John Chansey? No, I think that that seems about right, and I wonder at all with the contract negotiation situation at all if that might be... Uh pressure and I don't know if pressuring is the right word but if it might be sort of pushing the Eagles uh towards you know possibly uh giving Goddard more love in the event that they may not have Zach Ertz I, I don't know I'm just merely speculating but um it's not a good sign I, I, the offense seems to be capable of of having both be productive and fantasy relevant but if you're having to make the decision of who you want going forward I think 
I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards Goddard. I'm not going to fight you on that. And really, it was just a disappointing game for everyone except for Dallas Goddard. Ugly game, painful game to watch. It really made me upset. And, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit worked up just talking about it right now. So we've got a lot more big games to talk about. There's a lot more to break down. So how about we take a break? I'm going to calm down, have some nice tea, and we'll send it over to at nonsense underscore Steve, Mr. Steve Bonham. And we are back. So thank you for that, Steve. Now it's time to get excited because Gardner Minshew has so much swag. Completely willed this team to victory, single mustachedly. John, what are your thoughts on Gardner Minshew? I'm ecstatic about Gardner Minshew. He went 19 for 20, and this isn't against like a bad defense either. I mean, the Colts aren't like exactly the best defense, but they're not bad either. I, I just think we really have to ask ourselves, are we sure the Jags are as bad as everyone predicted them to be? I just, I think when you have a quarterback like Gardner Minshew who has as much moxie and swag as you described, I just, there's no quit in this team. They may trade all their first rounders away. They may be run poorly, but when you have players like Gardner Minshew, this team is going to be competitive. And unfortunately, I think they might be too competitive if they really are trying to uh, potentially tank for Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence or, uh, or, La- or Lance, uh, you know, so I mean, lose, lose for Lance or yeah, uh, fail for exactly. Field. Oh, I honestly, I think that Gardner is a Fitzmagic type quarterback where he is tank proof. There's no quit in this team, no quit in Gardner Minshew, but I do think this team is as bad as we think. I just think that Gardner is that swaggy. And the most impressive thing is he didn't even zero in on DJ Chark like all of us expected. So Keelan Cole led the team with five receptions and 47 yards, also had a score. DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault tied with three, 25 from Chark, 37 from Visca, and both had a score. So a lot, like surprising amount of weapons. DJ Westbrook wasn't even active. So I honestly, I love to see this. And so finally, Looking at the backfield, everyone's favorite, should I start him candidate, James Robinson. Turned in a nice 16 carries, 62 yards, 28-yard reception. So not a bad day, but really this team is going to live and die by the mustache. On the Colts side of things, Marlon Mack went down with what looks like an Achilles injury and will likely miss the season. Thoughts are with him. It's very unfortunate. We never like to see any players get injured. And so this did lead to a 9-7 to carry split between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Neither back top 30 yards. Both were big in the passing game. Naheem Hines actually led the team with eight receptions, put up 46 yards and a score, and he also had a tug on the ground. Taylor was tied in for the with second on the team with six catches, 67 yards. So is this just like a team that passes the ball to the running backs? Are we seeing two Austin Ecklers, John? I mean, it's hard to ignore the evidence that's presented before our eyes, but you know, even without Marlon Mack, it does appear that the the Colts are gonna the you know the the dual headed running back machine will keep going uh, because you know who would have guessed that Naheem Hines uh, would have came out and and stole the show like he did uh, but it's really exciting to see Taylor uh, be so involved in the passing game I know his role in the passing game for Wisconsin increased each year that he was there but that was still an area that I was a little concerned about but seeing him make six catches uh, for sixty seven yards is very is very exciting. I'm old enough to remember when everyone said Jonathan Taylor could catch good times a couple weeks ago, maybe even last week. I don't know about that. Anyways, Phillip Rivers, classic game from him, 363 yards, one touchdown, two picks. What else could you expect from Mr. Phillip Rivers, even with the new team? But what was surprising, Paris Campbell led the team in the, or led the receivers 
E.Y. Hilton and Phil Rivers just could not get on the same page. Love Paris Campbell on those little dump-offs. So, me, I have two questions for you. Number one, can we expect this to continue? Is Paris Campbell the wide receiver one? And number two, is Phillip Rivers washed? Okay, first up, I loved what I saw with Paris Campbell. I think he's highly underrated. And he's one of those guys that I would, in Dynasty, I would have picked up this year using my theory of, you know, picking up the discount of wide receivers that you mentioned before. I feel like we're in for a big season. Yeah, he's got a good ring. Um, I feel like I got good vibes about Paris, and he showed today that he's he is a good running uh, wide receiver. We just needed to see him on the field a bit more often. Uh, as for Mr. Rivers, mm, mm. Mm, that sounds like a yes. <laughs> yeah, it sounds no, like a yes. I'm gonna bail you out and answer for you. Yeah, Rivers I, is washed. It reminds me of Eli Manning a couple of years ago. I think we may have seen the best of Rivers. I don't know if we're going to see a resurgence anytime soon. Get no, out if I you think, can. Yeah. To that point, I don't think we're seeing a resurgence. I think we're going to more likely to see Jacoby Brissett making starts. So anyways, we'll get away from that depression out of or when it comes to Philip Rivers' career. Go to some excitement. We had the Ra- Raiders and Panthers, and we, had, me and Jason had talked about this at, on the Friday show as a potential shootout. Did not disappoint. Derek Carr, 22 for 30, only 239 yards and one score. But it was Josh Jacobs who absolutely dominated. And it looks like this team is going to run through Josh Jacobs. Guy rushed for 93 yards on 25 carries, scored three times, and most importantly, finished second on the team with four receptions, put up 46 yards. So I sure hope you weren't fading Josh Jacobs this offseason because you already look wrong. On any thoughts on the Raiders? Well, you know, I, I really love the Josh Jacobs performance. I love seeing Ruggs getting involved as well. But I thought this was a pretty interesting matchup, um, you know, given that uh, Gruden has Derek Carr as his quarterback, who had a fine day. But across the field, he was playing against Teddy Bridgewater, who looked pretty good, in my opinion. And so I just wonder, I, I have a question about John Gruden. When he's sitting around counting his stacks and stacks of money, uh, like Scrooge McDuck, do you think... <laughs> Do you think he regrets not going after Teddy Bridgewater and getting uh, Marcus Mariota, who's, who is currently on the uh, IR? But I wonder maybe if he regrets because he's always, you know, he always is looking for the quarterback he doesn't have. And I just wonder how much he regrets not getting Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't know. I can't speak for John Gruden and say that he does regret it, but I can speak for me, and I know he should regret it. Teddy Bridgewater was amazing. Super impressive day, 64.7% of his passes, 270 yards and a score. We really, uh, just like on the Raiders' side, it ran through the running back. We know whose team this is. It is Christian McCaffrey's team. Run CMC had 134 yards and two scores on 27 touches. Knee... What do you do when you're playing Christian McCaffrey in IDP? Is is there any stopping him? Uh, not really, but there is. If you have linebackers against him, it can be quite profitable. So if you've been listening to the podcast um, previously, you, you know that I've been preaching that if you have a linebacker spot, you should be putting inside linebackers in, in those slots each week. Now, when you're going up against Ron CMC, you know that he's going to get a lot of carries. He, they, they feed him. 15, 20 times a game. So that means that those inside linebackers are potentially going to get 15 to 20 tackles. And last year, this is actually a fact. Linebackers averaged 15 tackles against Christian McCaffrey. So you look, at, you look at today, 
Now, the starting inside linebacker, Nick Kwiatkowski, went down with an injury, but he got three or four tackles before he went out for the day. The guy that profited today was actually the safety, Jonathan Abraham. He had about, I, I have to look at because the stat corrections, I have to have a look again, but it was in the range of eight to 10 tackles. So it's a cheat code. When you're going up against Christian McCaffrey in IDP, look at the inside linebackers and the strong safeties because those are the guys that are going to get a few more tackles than everyone else. Wise words from Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce. I'm sure most of you don't know how to play IDP. I know I don't. So it is nice when you can get these little tidbits of information, these little cheat codes. Any final thoughts on the Carolina Panthers, John? Yeah, I was really impressed with Robbie Anderson in his debut uh, playing with Teddy Bridgewater. I thought he had a great game. Six caught six passes for 115 yards and a touchdown. And I think it really just, I think it, it proves the theory about getting away from Adam Gase does wonders for your career. So this is a really good example of, a, you know, escape from New York and, and do better elsewhere. It really is. So fun game over there. Every bit of fun we had in the Panthers versus Raiders, the Bears and Lions was pretty much the opposite feeling. So the Bears had just a 2% chance of winning at one point in the fourth quarter, but Lions going to Lion. Am I right, John? Yeah, what a disappointment. I mean, Swift, at one point, he he showed so much brilliance by taking a TD to the house, and then he completely, at the end of the game, cost the Lions by dropping that pass. But, I mean, again, you, like you said, it's the Lions going to be the Lions, uh, and, you know, couldn't happen to a, to a, a better franchise, I guess. Uh, yeah, you wound me, John, and you just, you wound me. Ter- terrible day from the Lions. Stafford completed 57% of his passes, still managed 297 yards, ended up with a TD and an interception. Shockingly enough, who could have predicted this? Mitchell Trubisky was the real play at quarterback in this game. Or did he play like a Mitch? I don't, I don't know what the difference. Which one's the good one again? Either way, Trubisky, two, 20 of 36 for 242 yards, three scores, additional 26 rushing yards on three carries. Is, is Mitch back? We got fourth quarter Mitch. Last year we had MVP Mitch. Now we get fourth quarter Mitch. This might be the best one of them all. Who knows? We'll have to stick around and see if this one uh, lasts through the season, though. Oh, just uh, this is making me so sad. So we're going to move off the Lions real quick here. Lions weapons in general were just disappointing. TJ Hawkinson was standout as a pass catcher. Five receptions, 56 yards, and a score. I was all, you know, all in on Marvin Jones, but he pretty much did nothing. Danny Amendola actually led the team in yards. But the surprising story of the night, Adrian Peterson looking like a young man again. Total 114 yards. Absolutely love to see it. It's been a long career for him. Moving on to our next game, though, Seahawks versus Falcons. They finally did it. They finally let Russ cook. Yes. Oh, thank God. Yes, they did. He came in like Gordon Ramsay, Hell's Kitchen in hot Atlanta. He was cooking with some straight fire, little DK Metcalf, little Tyler Lockett, a whole lot of Chris Carson just proved to be the recipe for the undoing of the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, it, it, it was beautiful to see. So Wilson completed 88.6% of his 35 passes, popped off for 322 yards and four touchdowns. So hilariously enough, Metcalf, half the reception to lock it, still had more yards. This is just what we're going to see all year. Metcalf caught four for 95 and a score. Lockett, eight grabs, 92. But funnily enough, it was Chris Carson who led the team in receiving touchdowns. He had two. So is he like the scat back now? I don't know. It's really, it's just funny. Neat. What are your thoughts, take away from the backfield? Is it Carlos Hyde's backfield? Is it Chris Carson's backfield? 
Or are we kind of looking at a split now? I still hold out hope for Rashad Penny, just quietly. <laughs> no, I oh. I think it is Chris Carson's backfield for the time being until he fumbles and um, ends up in the doghouse. But those two are a nice one-two punch. I think Hyde is there for the interim while Penny recovers. But it's Chris Carson's backfield for the time being. So I set you up and you did kind of answer it correctly. It is completely Chris Carson's backfield over Carlos Hyde. I think Carlos Hyde just mixed in for a little change of pace at the end of the game. But then he brought up Rashad Penny, and I don't like that. I want this to stay Chris Carson. So you GMs can't be too upset, though, even though he did have did lose the rushing touchdown to Carlos Hyde. Looking at the tight ends, though, Greg Olson had the score. But, John, he's not the one that has you excited right now. Who's that? I'm so excited that Will Disley uh, played an NFL game without getting hurt. And I know that sounds like not much, but that guy has so much – fantasy potential but he just can't stay healthy um and if he can stay healthy or you know even um remotely healthy i think he is worth grabbing and stashing away especially in dynasty leagues he has so much upside i know greg olson's already there greg olson's not going to be there forever um and there and greg olson's not a player who's necessarily always healthy either at this point in his career so i think there's some value there even if we didn't see it on the field today it's just a cool story and a potential um, lottery ticket you could p- could pay off in Dynasty or or redraft maybe even if you have a deeper league with uh, with Disley. We are all about taking those lottery tickets, especially in Dynasty. So that was great to see. Opposite side of the field was not as great to see. Falcons are going to need to score a lot of points. This defense is awful. Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's just crazy. You have a game in which Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage having all of them having over a hundred yards. How often does that happen? It still wasn't even enough to beat the Seahawks. And I do wonder from a fantasy standpoint, I, I just wonder how sustainable that really is. Is, is Gage someone, you know, uh, we should be eyeballing or not? Or is this kind of just a, a fluke? So I'd like to say that it's not sustainable. I truly would. And to recap, nine receptions, 157 yards from Julio, nine receptions for 130 yards with two scores from Ridley, and nine receptions, they really like those nine receptions, 114 yards from Gage. It doesn't sound like it's sustainable, but honestly, the defense is so terrible. Matt Ryan might need to average 400 yards a game. So I I don't know, but maybe we'll see something from the ground or the ground game coming up. Maybe they won't be trailing all game, but it was a quiet day from Todd Gurley because they were trailing for the entire game. 14 carries, 56 yards in a score. Fine day, but he just got scripted out. So, knee any takeaway from the Atlanta Falcons? Um, I think I think this is more about Seattle than Atlanta uh, today. I do think Gurley has more potential going forward, but um, the game script just got away from them, and we couldn't see him have that homecoming that he probably wanted to, to ball out and show everyone that he still got it. So let's give it a bit more time with the Falcons. Do you think that part of the reason he was so ineffective is because he was facing Jamal Adams? Yeah, I mean, Adams is all over the the the, the field. He was in different spots. The, we here's what he thought we were going we to see from him, and yeah, it was hard to get movement from from the Falcons at, at the line of scrimmage. The, the Seattle Seahawks are suffocating in that respect. Jamal Adams, exactly what you expect. And speaking of that, we got exactly what I expected from Cam freaking Newton. So imagine having him outside your top five QBs this week. It couldn't be me. So Cam was 15 and 19, 155 yards through the air. Great debut. 
it wasn't about what he did with his arm. It's about what he did with his legs. 15 rushes, 75 yards, the most rushing yards in the history of the Patriots. And he scored twice. This is a new era in New England. John, what are your thoughts on Cam Newton taking over? I mean, it was so good. We got a vintage Cam Newton season. It's just like a great wine uh, that just goes well with so much. I love seeing that vintage uh, Cam Newton performance. It looked like MVP Cam more than it did the Cam Newton we've seen recently, uh, which was great. Uh, you know, the passing numbers weren't that great, but I think that will come as he gets more comfortable with the offense. But it's so wonderful to see uh, his rushing ability is back. I am a little bit concerned long term, him being on a one year contract. Are we just going to see Cam Newton kind of use as a battering ram uh, or will they be more strategic depending on who they're playing? But it was also good to see Edelman, at least in, in terms of looking for a bright spot in the pass and the, in the pass catching side of things. You know, Julian Edelman looked like. Uh, you know, he's going to be one of Cam's favorite targets. I know it's five for 56 isn't exactly world beating, but, you know, if you're trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be the guy that Cam really relies on, I think it's going to be Edelman. And so he still has a lot of value, obviously, in redraft, or maybe if you can get him on the cheap in Dynasty, I think Edelman's someone uh, to keep your eye on still. It doesn't look that impressive when you just see the five, but keep in mind, he he had a drop. He, they had a pass breakup as well. Cam was looking for him when it mattered most. Edelman tied with Nikhil Harry for the lead in receptions with five. Harry turned it into 38 yards and nearly cost the team big. Fumbled the ball on the one-yard line into the end zone. Gave the Dolphins the ball. Marched all the way down the field. Made it a three-point game. Ended up being a 14-point play or Nikhil Harry really almost cost the team, but thankfully the defense absolutely balled out, saved him. Three picks from the Patriots with reigning defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore getting one, partner in crime on the opposite side, J.C. Jackson icing the game, and free agent addition Adrian Phillips came away with one as well. So, Nee, are you still anti-Patriot after this? I know you hate the Patriots' defense, but, like, can we – can we not just be in on these DBs and all their turnovers? Or is this a th- symptom of Fitzmagic and we're only playing defensive backs against Fitzmagic? Look, I'll say this. If you're in redraft, definitely go get the Patriots DST. They're a nice unit to have. That way you can get all of Bill Belichick's um, ducking and weaving and his changes in one spot. But as for the defensive backs, if you're looking for a safety, Adrian Phillips is a nice pickup. He definitely had a great game today. Eight tackles. Uh, I believe he had a sack as well in, it, in addition to the pick. He got some nice numbers in the box score, basically. And that's Bill Belichick. He goes nuts and gets these guys and makes them great again. These players that have been cast off from other teams. To answer your question, if you're in a cornerback required league, I would look at Stefan Gilmore. He's a guy that can get you a pick or a big play each week. But outside of Gilmore and Phillips, I'm still tempering my expectations with the Patriots. They can just change things up so quickly. Yeah, I'll be careful. <sighs> Fine, me. Just to let me have my fun. You won't do it ever. It's... Anyways, moving on from that, John, any dynasty thoughts? I know there's one big pressing question on your mind. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is how soon are we going to see Tua? Um, you know, Fitzpatrick, I know he's Fitz magic at times, but today though, throwing the three picks, I know it's against the Pats, but you know, how many games like that will he have under his belt before it's time to let Tua play? Uh, if Tua is healthy too, it's really hard to imagine the Dolphins, uh, management and coaching staff being able to hold 
him back. Uh, so that's my big takeaway is when are we going to see Tua? I feel like we're on, we're going to be on Tua watch from here on out until it finally does happen. I completely agree with you there. So that wraps up our one o'clock slate. Brings us to the evening slate. But before we get there, we are going to take a break. Time to relax before we get into the evening. So listen to the soothing sounds of at nonsense underscore Stephen, at nonsense underscore Neil. Our fantastic bosses, Stephen Neil, take it away. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of daily fantasy sports with Vegas-style player prop bets for the ultimate weekly parlay. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc., Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win, but again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry, but if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again can buy me a lot of John U. Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. And this is your basic Vegas over-under. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players, and there's statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233.5 passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many Janu jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. All right, thank you guys for that. And... Wow, what a debut. Joe Exotic, the Bengal King. So he made a strong push at the end, couldn't come through at the end of the day, but it wasn't his fault. Burrow marched down the field at the end of the game, gets the team to the five-yard line, throws a TD, a beautiful strike to A.J. Green. Oh, look, Chargers are going to charge her. Game's blown. They've lost. Bengals won. Oh, wait, flag. A.J. Green pushed off. They back it up. Kick the field goal. Oh, miss it. No OT for you guys. Randy Bullock pulls something in his leg, so keep an eye on that. I don't know why you're starting the Bengals kicker to begin with. 
But the Chargers won. The Bengals going to bungle. But that was a promising debut from Joe Burrow. End of the day with 23 of 36. Just 193 yards and interception. But that last drive really showed the magic he had. Also has a rushing touchdown as well. I'm really just wondering what could have happened with a full offseason from Burrow. But it was a well done for a first attempt, especially the end. I truly believe we will see Joe Burrow with an MVP by 2023 at the latest. Yeah, neither one of these teams, I feel like, looked good. It was a pretty ugly game all around, but I think Burrow showed us at least enough of why he is he was the first overall pick, especially that touchdown run to start off early in the game and that last drive to close out the season. It's just unfortunate that his team couldn't um, couldn't close out the deal or at least help him win or at least tie it up at the end. But, man, I'm, I'm at least excited about what I saw from Joe Burrow. Yeah, so with Joe Burrow having a kind of a disappointing day in the box score, even though it was an exciting day for his future, it led to not a good day in general. So A.J. Green, 5 for 51. Boyd, 4 for 33. Joe Mixon had 69 yards. Not so nice. 3.6 yards a carry, one reception, two yards. I don't know if those migraines are still bugging him, but it also translated to the Chargers side of the ball. Tyrod Taylor, barely over 50% of his passes, 16 of 30, 208 yards. Only one target to the running back. Eckler caught it, but it was for three yards. That's kind of scary for a guy who's built around being this pass-catching back. So it was a good sign he had 19 carries and had 84 yards on him. But me, should we be worried that Eckler's not getting going to get these targets because Tyrod doesn't like the running backs? Um, well, it's too early to say, uh, Jack. I feel like this this game situation may not have necessarily... That's the thing. Another thing to consider is we didn't have preseason, so I think the rapport and the chemistry may not be there between the two. Um, I think it's too early days to to be worried about Eckler. All right, fair enough. And so the other thing to worry about with Eckler, though, is his backfield mate, Joshua Kelly. He was more effective than Eckler. 12 carries, 60 yards, and a score. John, you were really excited, weren't you? Yeah, I think there was some, you know, there was some, um, there was some hype for Josh Kelly in the off season, especially given, you know, the concern about the size of the running backs, you know, uh, Eckler's size and being able to handle the full workload. Um, I think Kelly is is showed right away he can come in and be a complement to Eckler, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if that split becomes more, uh, you know, more fifty fifty as the season goes on. I just think Josh Kelly has a lot of talent. And a lot of upside for that offense. So I, I, I hope and expect to see more of him as the season goes on. I agree with you as well. And players we do expect to see more of as the season goes on, at least I hope so, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, because they really were nothing today. Hunter Henry led the team with five receptions and 73 yards. I was on the train. Tyrod could start for a while, but after today, I don't know. We might want to get Justin Herbert in there quickly. But a quarterback that's young and we're not looking to replace, Kyler Murray. Completed 62.5% of his passes, 40 attempts, 230 yards, tossed a score, tossed an interception, but that's not where he stands out. What we talked about all offseason, the hype he was getting on Twitter was that he's the next Lamar Jackson because of how electric he is with his legs, and it looked like it. Ran 13 times, 91 yards, and his score was electric. We also saw 16 carries from Kenyon Drake, 60 yards and a score on the ground. Chase Edmonds ran six times for 26 yards. I... This ground game looks exciting. This aerial attack looks exciting as well because they fed DeAndre Hopkins, which we did not see coming at all. John, give us a takeaway from DeAndre Hopkins. 
he is the piece that will unlock the full potential of the Cardinals offense. I think having that dominant of a receiver will unlock Kyler Murray. I think right now you need to buy Kyler Murray MVP stock any way you can because um, if he plays like that against a really good San Francisco defense, I mean, you know, obviously he's not going to play that way probably every week, but if we get more performances out of, of Kyler like that, the Cardinals will be in it in the contention for playoffs and he will be uh, he'll be firmly entrenched in that MVP conversation. He, he took his game to another level and I think Hopkins is that piece that unlocks it. Yeah, it was an impressive day. He completely fed Hawkins, 14 catches, which is 54% of Murray's completions, 151 yards. Christian Kirk, on the other hand, one catch, no yards. That wasn't great. Jimmy Gorgeous wasn't great either, 57.6 completion rate. Jordan, 59 yards, two scores, one to Mostert, and one to Jarek McKinnon. He is back, my friends. Didn't do a whole lot other than that score, but it's still exciting just to see him back on the field. Overall, though, Raheem Mostert was the best player on the offense, 94 yards on four receptions, but only averaged 3.7 yards to carry on the ground. So this Cardinal or this 49ers team is going to have to fix their ground game. George Kittle, also a disappointment, banged up, finished 4 for 44, left the game at one point, came back, but yeah, it was disappointing. I think it's uh, somewhat of a disaster that the NFL didn't have a plan in place for this particular game with the air quality. Um, but thankfully, you know, the air wasn't bad enough because we did get a Dante Pettis sighting uh, for anybody in Dynasty. Uh, he had a whopping one target. So uh, if you've been holding on to Dante Pettis stock, I, you probably could go ahead and let it go by now. Oh, 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 shots fired at Aiden Ware. He's not going to be happy when he listens to this podcast. I really wish I didn't see the Dante Pettis sighting, though. That was disappointing. Anyways, moving on to our final game of the day. Should have been the Sunday night game. At least that was my personal opinion. But the Tampa Bay Patriots absolutely outclassed by the New Orleans Saints completely across the board. Yeah, this game, I mean, with the hype built around it, I think, Jack, you, you're probably right. It could have potentially been flexed to the Sunday night game. And I don't think anybody would have been would have been disappointed. I don't think anybody – the way the game turned out was it was a lot of fun. Um, maybe if not if you're, a, if you're a, a Bucks fan. But I had a couple of takeaways from this. I think – you know, coming into this season, I think a lot of us had expectations, myself included, uh, was that, you know, Tom Brady going to Tampa was going to look more like uh, Brett Favre when he went to the Vikings, you know, that first year he was there and looked like, you know, he turned the clock back. But I'm a little worried that maybe uh, this move is going to look more like Brett Favre when he, looked, when he went to the Jets, which was uh, pretty uh, underwhelming. Oh, oh no. But, I have a theory. I have a theory that's about Tom Brady and about Bill Belichick that I want to share with you all and get some thoughts. That I'm going to call this the uh, the the Barksdale Bell theory from from Stringer Bell and Avon Barksdale from The Wire. Um, Brady and Belichick split up a lot like uh, the way Avon and Stringer Bell broke up in The Wire season three. Um, if you're not familiar, no spoil. I'll try not to spoil too much, but one of them ends up getting uh, iced at the end of season three. Uh, okay, I will go ahead and spoil it. It is Stringer Bell who gets whacked. Um, but right now I'm wondering, the way this game worked out, is Tom Brady in this case, is he Stringer Bell and going and going on his own? Is he really just about to get whacked uh, and have a disappointing season? I don't know. Or maybe is it just the Saints that good? That's I'm a little torn right now. Well, 
Well, after game one, it certainly looked that way that Tom is going to be whacked. So he's 23 for 36, two scores, two picks, including a pick six. And Bruce Arians has already blamed Brady for that pick. It was a target for Evans, or sorry, he blamed both those picks on Brady. One was a target for Evans, forget who the second one was, but Bruce Arians says they're both Brady's fault. Chris Godwin caught six passes for 79 yards. Scotty Miller, second on the team, five receptions for 73 yards. Well, Mike Evans was completely locked up by Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore. We've seen this happen before, and it happened again today. He caught just one pass. Granted, it was a two-yard score, but it was at the end when the game was kind of over already, and it didn't really matter. O.J. Howard led the tight ends with four catches, 36 yards, and a score. Gronk had two for 11, and it was not a great debut from anyone. It's really disappointing because Drew Brees didn't even have to do that much. He was super efficient, 18 of 30, 160 yards, and two scores. Uh, you really expected to see more out of Brady here. Nee, do you think this is like kind of what you were saying about Phil Rivers, or are you not ready to go there yet? Look, when it comes to Tom Brady, I think we are starting to see him slow down a little bit, but at the same time, he has announced for targeting weak cornerbacks. So using an IDP slant here, he went after Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the guy that plays safety and cornerback. He went after him about 10 times, so... Chauncey Gardner-Johnson ended up getting 10 tackles on the day. So he still has that in his locker. Um, so what you need to do as an IDP player is target the rookie cornerback or the, the, the cornerback that's in the second unit. Those are the guys that the quarterbacks like Brady, Rodgers, these seasoned quarterbacks, they, they look for these weaker, uh, so to speak, cornerbacks, and they target them early and often. So... Brady's not washed. He still, still knows how to go after a cornerback, but his overall play might be diminishing. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like how you hedged there. I probably would have done the same thing because I'm not ready to declare Brady washed at all, but I'm not ready to back him after that performance. So that is going to do it from us here at the Important Nonsense Podcast. As always, you have been an absolutely wonderful audience. John, do you have any parting words for all your fantastic fans out there? Oh, of course. Just everyone be good and be safe. And in the words of the immortal Al Davis, uh, you know, just win, baby. Whether we're talking about football or life, just win, baby. Love to hear it. And so we are going to get some thoughts with from me. Uh, Blake Jarwin appears to have torn his ACL. In this, we are recording during the Sunday night game, and it doesn't oh look God. ugly for Jarwin. I, yeah. That's uh, awful. Nee, do you have any t- parting thoughts on like Jarwin and the Cowboys offense before you sign out? Yeah, look, um, that's a terrible injury, and there's been a few rough injuries today, so the depth charts will be um, looked at during the week, no doubt, in terms of the next man up. But I would, if I was in Dynasty and I needed a tight end as a Jarwin GM, I would be looking at Dalton Schultz. He's the guy that I'd want to be picking up. I'd also have a look at CJ Uzuma. He got five targets today for the Bengals. He already has some rapport going on with... Uh, Joe Burrow. So look at those guys as tight end replacements. Don't forget Blake Bell. Boomer Sooner. The Bell Dozer. Boomer Sooner, baby. Let's go. Thank you, gentlemen. It has been an absolute pleasure. Don't forget to follow John over on Twitter at DynastyPhD for tip top dynasty advice. And make sure you follow me over on Instagram at TheRealNWB. Check out the work that these two gentlemen put up on importantnonsense.com and at nonsenseffup at nonsenseff for daily news and articles. These two do incredible work. I've been your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me everywhere at Javanaugh87. Make sure you drop us a five-star review if you've enjoyed yourself today. 
And if you haven't, I apologize for that. Maybe you hold off on the review. Wait until Thursday for Stephen Neal. They're a lot better than I am at this, so hopefully they can change your mind. But thank you for tuning in. Make sure you join us next Monday, and we're going to recap everything once again. But most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!